Hello and welcome to another episode of the Access Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Vinny Masana. We are recording live today from beautiful Long Island Fieldhouse in Hophog, New York. Joined by a very special guest, Coach Paul Parcelano, head coach at St. Anthony's High School. Coach, it's been a while. How's it going? How are you enjoying the offseason? You know what? So far, so good. Three days into a new year. I'm still alive, still standing, so things are well. (laughs) And I have some news as well. First episode after having my daughter, so life is... You know what? Let's congratulate. (laughs) Congratulations. Firstborn. Thank you. So life is taking on a little different uh, meaning now, and uh, you know, it certainly is surreal, so... I'm still going to enjoy doing what I do, covering Long Island baseball, but might have to take a little bit of a step back, I think, in terms of... You're going to be able to handle that? (laughs) Step back a little bit? (laughs) I'm going to have to delegate. I have no choice. So I'm still going (laughs) to do do what I love to do and and cover the the game. And, uh, you know, that's what I wanted to to get to. In the offseason so far, we've had a piping hot hot stove season with, with Major League Baseball. And I know as, as a Mets fan, you must be pretty excited with the direction that the team is going on, uh, that the team has gone. And I mean, what were your impressions when the offseason started and the Mets lost Jacob DeGrom? You were probably thinking, here we go, another yep. Mets legend that's not going to fulfill, you know, the long, uh, lifelong, yeah. um, his career in one uniform, right? Yeah, when the season ended, it ended, it didn't end the way any of us wanted. Obviously, being, uh, you know, every Mets fan uh, will agree with that. But once we saw where DeGrom was leaning, like he, you know, hearing stories now, we knew he was out the door, mm-hmm. you know, because you, you heard stories that he wanted to come back earlier and they kept holding him back and you hear all these things, you don't know what's true and what's not. Mm-hmm. But once the money started flying around that day, he was going to get five years, I think most Met fans understood we can't get 15 starts for the next five years. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. we knew he was going to go. I think that the only way people would not have been upset is the way it went down. It was the fact that he went to the AOS. He's yes. not really going to impact them in any way, other than that they're, I think they're facing them this year. But they added some guys. Well. That Rangers yeah. staff should be serviceable. Yeah, yeah, but he's not going to come back to bite them in the butt. It's not like a going. He's not going to the Braves. Right. That would have been a different level. The Phillies, God forbid. So he he's not going to kill them. And then on top of that, the five years. Yes. So I don't think any Met fan begrudges them for not going five years, and they responded pretty swiftly. Yeah, yeah the only thing that that kind of irks me is like. Mets held him in a real high regard, like up in that Seaver Gooden mm-hmm. kind of thing. And he made a couple of comments at the the Rangers press conference about wanting to be part of a winning thing. And yeah. that rubbed Mets fans the wrong way. And it took him, what, a week to release a statement, which Mets fans take personal because yeah. we're so attached to him. And it seemed like he was detached from us. Yeah, I didn't think that that statement was ever coming. And but we never saw that coming. Jake mm-hmm. was always such a, you know, he was a reserved guy. He never really spoke out. And, mm-hmm. and so we loved him for that. Yeah. And we saw over the last months after he left, he kind of seemed like he didn't want to be here the last couple of years. So, it, you know, it kind of taints it a little bit. But at the end of the day, 48 is going to get re- – it should be retired. Yeah, it makes you, you know wonder I mean? why they didn't push him more. Like, the way that they were very cautious led me to believe that they planned on having him on the team for years That's what I'm, that, I'm And now it's that, like, yeah. well, if he would have got hurt, big deal. He's not their responsibility anymore. Right. But I guess, you know, the doctors are going to have, have their own say about that. So – um, shifting gears from him, the Mets answered pretty resoundingly. They replaced him with the next best pitching uh, pitcher available in the free agent market, yes. Justin Verlander. In my opinion, an upgrade because yep. he's it the is reigning Cy Young winner. Yep. Not you know, it's not on the back of his baseball card somewhere. The reigning Cy Young winner. Then to to get a little bit more stability, they get a lefty in Jose Quintana. Which I don't know your thoughts on him, but 
knowing you the way I know you, I think you like lefties that pitch the compact. Yes, right? <laughs> yes. And he's going to take the ball. You yeah. know what I mean? He's going to take the ball in the last two years. I know he had uh, he, but he started strong, went down a little bit, mm-hmm. and now he's back to that guy when he was younger. Yeah. So I think it's 30 starts. And, but he's going to be like a Carrasco. He's going to yeah. give you that mid-3-4 ERA, 13-14 wins. But wow. with Verlander, I, I, I was driving here, and when I got in the parking lot, I, I Googled something because I, I, it was sticking in my head. 14 of the last 16 years, uh, Verlander's made 28-plus starts. And that's what the only two years he hasn't is when he had Tommy John. Mm-hmm. That guy is going to take the ball for every five days. Mm-hmm. What more could you ask for having that kind of guy knowing? And, you know, like, look, as a Met fan, DeGrom, is he back? Is he pitching? Is he not pitching? Now with Verlander, it's just going to see him once a week. Right? Yeah, once yep. a week for six months. Yeah, and hopefully for the next three years, uh, yes. two years, not just for yes. you know for half the season. And then they took a flyer on Senga. I think every Met fan was kind of happy about Love that it. because for years they would kind of sit back and and play the waiting game with these international mm-hmm. free agents. Why not take a swing? That's that's a, a the a, only thing I'll say about that. You, you remember uh, it might have been before Matsui. Of course. Remember yeah. the middle infielder? He was supposed Matt to come. They, they moved. They wanted to move Reyes the second oh, because Matsui was. Yeah. Ge- so that's the only thing I have. Is like, oh god, I hope, the I hope was their email is correct. Kaz Matsui was not Hideki Matsui, so it seemed like the Mets like he wasn't Ichiro. They settled for the the third best yes. guy in the market. This was at least they took a swing on the best guy. Yes. Whether or not it works out, but I saw the clips of him in the World Baseball Classic. You strike out McCutcheon in his prime, Adam Jones in his prime. To me, that's that's the kind of move that you make. But and then lastly, Carlos Correa. Obviously, as we record right now, still yes. in limbo. But I gotta assume that he knows what he's doing when he posted that picture yesterday of his son wearing "I Love New York" shirts. See, but, what, but I don't understand what's with these cryptic messages. <laughs> you know, I saw something else, and it, it, it's NBA related. But D'Angelo Russell did something similar today about mm-hmm. with the Minnesota Timberwolves. They stopped following him. Or yeah, is this how we're doing these things now? As we throw out these cryptic things that people can piece together, yep. like like I think so. <laughs> because look, you're reading into it. I read into it too. I'm like, oh, he's coming. Yeah. What if he signs with the Yanks? Two years. Oh boy. <laughs> and I think the Yankee fans have uh, a little disdain for him based oh, on they what would he's buy right in there be Korean jerseys yeah. everywhere at Yankee yep. Stadium without and, a doubt. And on those same lines, obviously got to discuss the Yankees. They I think they've made the best move they could make signing Rodon because given where they were last year, they probably needed another lights out pitcher behind Cole. Yes. And whether he's healthy or not, which you know, nobody knows the future, but they you have a power a power pitching lefty that yes. in Yankee Stadium Big theoretically should should work. So yes. I think that there was a mixed review on him going into the offseason. Mm-hmm. He's the kind of pitcher that once you see his, him in the uniform, you're like, all right, I'll take a lefty that throws in the upper game. But what, Yeah, but where did that that come from with him? Because he's been good from start to finish, right? He's never had any, any real hiccups. So he had an interesting case because he was a third overall pick in yes. that draft with Conforto. Um, and... Then he he was always hurt, so I think he got non-tendered by the White Sox, and you get non-tendered. That's basically that's Death team, yeah. There, that's the, them giving you the ultimate sign of disrespect that you're not even you know worthy of the qualifying offer. And he he responded. So I think some people might look at it and say and be skeptical that he did it in a contract year, right. but he did it in two straight contract years. Yeah, and his numbers are good, man. Yeah, I would say that you a, a pitcher could kind of find motivation to stay healthy for one full year, but it's hard to just piece it together for two two yep. years. Is now to me that's that's the real deal. So we'll see. But the Yankees won 100 games and they returned Judge. You know, I just wanted to mention Judge quick. I don't think there's a whole lot to say. I mean, the guy is is coming off one of the greatest seasons ever. Um, 
but he's not going to do a, have a better season than that. It's almost like they needed – there was no option B for the Yankees. They, no. they needed <laughs> No. You, you go to a Yankee game. How many 99s are in the stands? He had to come back. Yeah. He's the face of that team. He's, in, he, what, he's their captain now. Yeah. That'd be like dumping Jeter, dumping Thurman Munson, dumping yeah. Don Mattingly. You, you, mm-hmm. you can't. He's got to be there, and they did it. They covered, They pulled it off. And one thing that I see, because when I do these feature stories on kids, I always ask them, who's your favorite major league player? Because I just want to get a sense for what – resonates with right. players because any time you ask somebody that's you know my age or a little bit younger everybody says Derek Jeter like if assuming that they're either Yankee fans or just True. you know enjoy watching baseball Met fans will say David Wright from from that era Mike Piazza but 99% of players it seemed like was Derek Jeter and then you get to that next Generation, if you want to call it, of kids that are maybe it is, it's you know, generation, you know Gen, Gen Z, um, you know, if they're in their young 20s or teenagers, everybody seems to either say Aaron Judge or if they like, you know, more intense players, it's Bryce Harper. Do you, what yeah. do you see from your but, perspective? Who yeah, are kids trying Judge, to emulate? Judge, Judge seems to be the, the guy, especially being in New York, that's all we hear. But mm-hmm. Trout's, been, Trout's got some staying power around yeah. all the high school guys I'm around all the time. Trout's name always comes up. Yeah. Otani's name pops up all the time now because mm-hmm. if you're a high school two-way, uh, why wouldn't you think that guy's the greatest thing since sliced bread? Let me stop you right, right? there because I think that's a great point. Otani, being on the, on the West Coast, people don't really get to see him that Agreed. much. But... He possibly could come to New York next year, which would put him in a whole other stratosphere. Honestly, I, I think he's going to come to New yeah. York. I think that's the play. It and I think he might be traded. If, if the Angels are out of it by July or August, which could happen, <laughs> don't be surprised he doesn't get moved then, and then we sign him to that extension and stuff like that. Yeah. I can see the that. The only thing is, if you're a team that need, that wants him, is it worth it to trade all your minor yes. leagues, all of your prospects, but then, but then you have to build around him and you can't build around him if you trade it all so it's a catch 22 it is a catch 22 but to just empty the pockets in the offseason uh, you know what i agree with you but you know what if we're in the if the Braves and the Phillies and we're just beating each other up through the months of June and July and that window opens up give him everybody who cares as long yeah. as you keep Alvarez so he can catch mm-hmm. give him all up prospects are still prospects Otani's a, a known entity you yeah. know what i mean he, he, and you bring him to New York, he would be magic here for three months. I think he would, be, he would be a billionaire because with the Asian presence, I think that it is a no-brainer that he would – you would almost need to have another stadium just for the media that would be around him. Yeah. It's not uh, – He's rock star much. status, man. He, he, yeah. He's on the cover of MLB The Show. You know what I mean? He, he's the best player to use in MLB The Show. You know what I mean? Do you see him being a two-way guy long-term? Because that's kind of been a hot topic. Is, is If you're going to give him $500 mm, million, dollars, which good. is pr- – they, they asked around uh, executives in an article, and they said that's kind of the, the rate, $25 million as a pitcher, $25 million as a position player. But if you're doing that, you better hope he stays doing both. Uh, you know what? We're in uncharted waters. Who knows if he can maintain that from a pitching perspective. It's kind of like a, a running back in the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. You get that seven, eight-year window where you're dominant, and then you, yeah. injuries or you know whatever, you just don't put up the same numbers. But from a hitting point of view, you can do it for 15, 16 years and yeah. be a dominant. I think that's a go season by season. He might not last as a pitcher. How old is he now? Twenty eight. He's like 28, 29, I would think. Yeah. So what? Pitch him until you pitch him in the rotation until he's thirty two, thirty three, and then yeah. you DH him and put him in right field and let him hit the next five years. Of his yeah, contract? I think that's reasonable. I think they almost follow. Could you imagine him. he turns into Smoltz and starts closing games by when he's thirty two, thirty three, and you're bringing him in from right field. He very well could. could you imagine? By all accounts, he is maniacal about his body and his work ethic, right. and I don't see a guy like that falling off a cliff. His stuff might. 
diminish, but it's not going to deteriorate. No, I agree. It's not the I 1960s. Agree. He's not, you know, drinking a case of beer after That's the game. That's still crazy. He can throw 100 pitches, strike out 13, and hit two home runs the next night. It's yeah. insane. Do you see um, a more of an influx of two-way players? I think that it's so rare that it's, it's just not it's really At that happen, level, right? it, yeah. it's... It, it's a unicorn type thing. When are you going to find uh, Otani is considered one of the best five pitchers in baseball, right? Mm-hmm. Top eight. Offensively, he's what top four, yeah. top five. Yeah, that was an interesting stat that said basically based on ERA plus, he was better than Garrett Cole, and offensively, he was basically Freddie Freeman. So you're having a forty million dollar a year, a pitcher. thirty-five million dollar a year pitcher, and a thirty million dollar. So no matter what you pay him, you can make the argument that he's underpaid. I and he mean, stayed, and he does stay on the field. Yeah, he he's stays been on the healthy. field. So I think we do see him in New York. I just would, I would be cautious about emptying the minor league system for a guy that you're then going to have to pay. But we'll see. I think that if, if the stakes are high and the Mets are one game out in in uh, I love the July prospect hoarding you do the prospect hoarding. <laughs> there are guys. We've been yep. doing this for decades, but. Yeah. I think at this stage of the game, we're, we're a win-now team. We got, I've been waiting my whole life to have a Steinbrenner-esque owner. Mm-hmm. We got that guy. I don't, I don't see us. I know prospects, obviously, are important. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we're still any high-end guy at the end of the season, every season going forward, the yeah. Mets are in the mix for. Mm-hmm. And if we have an open spot where we can use that guy, we're going to get him over other guys. It's just it's fantastic. Have you been surprised about the, the negative feedback about the spending? Because it seems like... For decades, the Yankees did it. Then the Dodgers did it. Do you think people just got desensitized to the Yankees doing it to where if another, if the Mets do it, it's like, oh, no, no. Yeah, it's Crimea River stuff because it's Crimea River stuff. Mets fans have been watching other teams do this for decades. We finally got a chance at it. I'd pay them. I saw an interesting uh, fact the other day that in 2005, the Yankees had the highest payroll by 67%. And the Mets right now are like 35%, but yet people, just because you see that high number, yes, the it number resonates, changed. I guess, a little bit. But they had a $205 million payroll when teams had $15 million yes. payrolls. Yes, so, yeah. So it is night and day different. And look, the Mets have done this kind of spending before. They did it in the early 90s when they lost Strawberry and all those guys, and they built up with Vince Coleman, Saber Hagen, and all those guys. And then in the 2000s, they dumped a ton of money into guys. Mm-hmm. You know what I'd, I mean? I'd say the optimistic side is that that was there was no foundation there. There was all they spent for guys with the back of the baseball card. You know, they're they're coming off a hundred win season. So you supplement hundred one. Yeah, exactly. And people like to say second place, but they <laughs> you can say whatever you want. They won hundred one yeah. games. And yeah. I'm fine with it. And yeah. we were tied. We didn't finish in second. Yeah, tied. They found one more way. I mean that's the one yeah. negative taste in the mouth about DeGrom is that if he holds a three nothing lead in yep. Oakland that day, I think the uh you know, the, the, probably the argument's a little bit more negative about him leaving because you would kind of do whatever that you could. Lead. Uh-huh. Yeah, that that was yeah. painful to see. So shifting gears, talking about um, Long Island baseball okay. this year. Where are you guys at in the calendar in terms of your preparation for the season? Um, actually, we're we're having a our meeting. Our winter meeting is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We meet with all levels nine through twelve, and we'll start our workouts uh, the fourteenth and fifteenth. And we go on. We just hit on the weekends because all these guys, uh, you know, they do. You know, their summer teams do winter workouts, mm-hmm. and I really try hard not to affect that because, yeah, eight parents are, are spending money, and these summer programs they all do such a great job prepping players for their high school season. Mm-hmm. So the reason we do our winter workouts is for me just to really get to know every kid that's in our program, mm-hmm. know the swing, know what the kids like, and I go that route because the 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 part of working out part they're. All going to be in great shape, which is pretty cool. I wish they had it when I played. I'm mm-hmm. sure you wish you had this type of focus mm-hmm. when you played. 
Yeah, so. it's all changed so quickly. I mean, when when I, I was in high school, cool. they had you know we would take batting practice in the in the cage, but there it, it wasn't necessarily organized, and nope. there wasn't winter workouts with the travel organizations. Everybody played another sport, so yep. it was tough to get everybody on the same page. Now you're seeing a lot more specialization, right? I yep. mean, that's a you could have a whole episode just talking about that. But generally speaking, would you say kids are more focused on one sport now? Um, you know what I, I I'm. Can't say that because you know we have a bunch of two ways at St. Anthony's, and I'm sure other schools have them as well. It's school of thought. Like I think guys should play as many sports as they can. Yeah. You know what I mean? You use different muscles. You're around different types of kids. It's different kind. Of, it's competition. Yeah. You know, some of the winter failure. And baseball is a great sport in the context that you can hit once a week, twice a week. You can long toss, throw, get yourself up, but still play basketball. Yeah. You can still wrestle. You can still find your sport, run track, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see yeah. any issue with that, but like I said, but I'm saying like that's that's a school of thought, but in reality, are kids doing are kids doing? You that? know what? If I think about it, there are more one sport guys than two than multi sport guys. Yes, mm-hmm. I agree with that. And I think one of I think I've said this before in an episode, but like Jim Harbaugh, one of his uh, one of the things that he looked for in an athlete was being a multi sport uh, player because one of them was going to be your weaker sport, and you have to learn to deal with negativity and adversity. That's a great point. So if you have yes. a kid that all he does is throw shutouts against, you know, weak competition, maybe he's not that same level of dominance on the basketball court and he's a little bit more humbled. And, then and you, you learn how to sit on the bench and watch yeah. other guys play mm-hmm. and, and you learn to accept that and understand that's your role so then when yeah. you get to your primary sport, because at the end of the day when all these really high-end high school guys go off to college, there are other high-end guys in front of them. We've spoken about this before. Yeah. And you have to watch those guys fail first before you get your chance. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. why not play another sport, even if you're not very good and you're a second or third string guy end of the bench on basketball? Mm-hmm. Why not watch other guys play? Understand what you need to do to get on the court. It, it will help you in your primary sport. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, you know, closing the book on, on the 2022 season, I know you guys have had a very good season. What was great your uh, lasting impression, I guess, just uh, looking back from a 30,000-foot view? Um, as far as, as, as the Catholic League or St. Mm-hmm. Anthony's or just the dominance of Shamana? I would say St. Anthony's. You know what? We were happy because, you know, our goal was to try and win every game, obviously. Mm-hmm. And we understood what Shamana was, and we know what a bear that was to beat those guys. But you also can't just focus on them because all the other teams in our league are so competitive and so talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I thought we had a really good year. We just ran into uh, to two really good pitchers in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're playing Chaminade in round one. And, uh, you know, well, we won our game, and then we had to play Chaminade, and then we lost. And then you're playing Kellenberg, and Gloop's on the mound. Gloop's a really good pitcher. Mm-hmm. And we just we couldn't hit. And that's baseball. And we, obviously yeah, he we beat, just he beat Chaminade in, in, the, in the first game well, of the, the championship. He yeah. threw the heck out of it against us, and it didn't surprise me that he beat him because his stuff is really good, like really, really good that day. Yeah. And it's always amazing because you could go into a season, even in, in, a, in a league where there's not a ton of teams, you feel like you have a good sense of it, and then somebody comes out of nowhere and winds yeah. up having and, and a huge Luke was impact. always yeah. a, a, a really good pitcher, mm-hmm. but, I mean, he raised the level, the confidence, the, the aura that was coming off of when we were facing We were struggling. We, we scored early, I thought, and uh, the Kellenberg catcher kind of blocked the plate, mm-hmm. and, uh, and Jack couldn't get in. And I thought, you know, I know it was a, a bang-bang play, and but I knew that run – was going to be, it could be one nothing. We had to get the run first mm-hmm. because I didn't think we were going to score again. So, you know, I kind of lost it a little bit and we didn't win that call. And obviously they got a couple big hits and they beat us. Yeah. You know, uh, that's the way it is. And this year's going to be the same thing. Yeah. Like, so much parity. I mean, so much parity. And I think that's great. Yeah. You know? 
And you mentioned Jack. I just wanted to, to uh, close the book on his career. I mean, can you tell our audience like what he meant to the program? He just seemed like he was as impactful in the clubhouse and, yes. and as a leader as he yes. was stat-wise. Yeah, Jack, and I, I know I've told the story, but we can tell it again now because I'm, I'm sure he'll watch this and he'll get excited for it. But, <laughs> you know, when Jack was a freshman, I had pulled up other two other kids ahead of him to play on JBA, and I kept him on freshman as a, uh, when he was a freshman, obviously. And he was devastated. You know, he weighed 130 pounds, but I knew he was good, but I wanted him, he was still pitching at the time, but I wanted him to play every day. Mm-hmm. So I explained it to him in that context. I'm like, I'm not going to have you put, bring you up to JBA if you're going to watch other guys play. You're going to have to play every day on freshman, and we'll go from there. And obviously, we know what happened. I ended up, he gets called up to varsity as a freshman at the end of the season, and off he goes. But Jack, a couple things about Jack. Consistent, mm-hmm. same guy every day. I never saw him... Uh, rage or, or lose his self-control. Now, I've seen him get excited, but I never saw him lose his focus in any of his at-bats for four years. Mm-hmm. He made one error. <laughs> it was zero errors, but he made that one error in the last time Taj could have picked it. Taj. <laughs> and, uh, but, yeah, the, the kid was flawless defensively. He ran the base as well. The same guy every day. And he understood that the kids that were watching him play, he... You know, the way he performed is the way a high school baseball player is supposed to look mm-hmm. and in every every possible way. And that's why, like, we're not going to give out 33 anymore because I don't want anybody else to wear it. But I'm giving it to Jason DeCaro. Mm-hmm. It, that's his number, so Jay, I'm going to give it to. And they both agree, Jason and Jack, after this year, we'll just shut down 33. Okay. You know what I mean? That That's my respect for what Jack has done for us. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, and I'll end on this, so I'll keep it. When I got the job at St. Anthony's, to where we are now, a lot of that has to do with Jack. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, we've come so far, you know, in building this thing into something that we can be proud of and, and, and respected. Mm-hmm. And Jack is literally at the top of the mountain for getting us there. Mm-hmm. And one more thing I wanted to mention regarding your team. In 2020, you guys, um, as you know, when the season was canceled, you had that high-end pitching staff yes. that I think would have competed for a championship. Yes. Now, fast forward to 2023, there's some similarities there where yes. you have – you know, DeCaro is going to UNC, kind of similar to what Stallone could have been yep. that year had, yep. had they had the season. And then you have Kassenbaum, who beat Chaminade. And then you have some younger guys that could step in. I'm yes. very high on Baez. You don't Baez have is a very the, good player, you know, yeah. I know that, um, you know, you're not going to tell every. Yeah, they got to turn their way. Open the yeah, curtain on everybody. But, but I can say, from my opinion, he, he very impressive, impressed me. Um, but that's pretty good arms atop the rotation so yes. there's some similarities I, we, we have some really good upper level pitching mm-hmm. but uh, and I'm really excited uh, once we start our workouts where I can see some of these younger guys we have a, an abundance of freshmen and sophomores that can really get after it mm-hmm. pitching wise uh, offensively but the pitching there, there isn't maybe I'd say from what I know and I haven't really gotten into these guys too much so I'll, I'll have a better idea but there's about six or eight real dudes right now that I'm aware of based on what other people are telling me from what they've seen. Yeah. So as I watch these guys throw, but yeah, so we are really stacked from start to finish. So hopefully mm-hmm. we can massage it enough because you know how hard it is to organize your pitching where you can be good every year yeah. and keep kids in the building because it's tough. High-end guys, if they're not playing yeah. with private school, they can go back to public and be a rock star. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's a fine line being able to make sure your players stay where they are and Mm-hmm. And lastly, on, on DeCaro, I mean, he's no secret. He's going to UNC. He's outstanding. He was outstanding last season. I mean, what, what stood out to you, or, or I should say, what kind of uh, maturation have you seen from the time you, you Since took you were over? Since he was a 10th yeah. grader, when you got, we, we put him in the rotation in 10th grade. 
and he was a, you know, he's like a baby giraffe. You know, he's <laughs> finding his way and this and that. And uh, he didn't, he had command, but you know, he got hit just like anybody else in tenth grade would in the Catholic League. Mm-hmm. And last year, he actually he raised the level of play, and this year he just keeps morphing and he never ceases to surprise me now because I thought he was a really good pitcher, and you could see it. And then last year, I'm like, oh wow, he's he's really good. And now he's at the stage now where he's a dominant kind of kid. Mm-hmm. And we talk about it all the time that there's a lot of pressure on him to succeed because he should. His stuff is too good. Mm-hmm. He has the focus and the wherewithal to pull it off. Mm-hmm. But obviously he's got to perform in the spring. But yes, he is extremely impressive. He's up to six foot six now, maybe six, six five and a half. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. he is. From what I he's going to be a, he, a dominant force in the spring. I don't. Yeah, and he's covered. hitting. Too. I'm gonna let him hit too. Yeah, he's got some some legit yes, power. He's gonna and you know he covered that game against St. John the Baptist where he threw you know he threw a shutout and you know from my perspective you in a wood bat league with his stuff you know you he's favored for for the pitcher of the year going and that would be my my prediction. And there there are a bunch of high end arms in our league too. Everybody's yeah. got one or two, right? Yeah, and Kellenberg I've, and St. John's are two teams that I've seen that got a lot of young a lot of young pitchers through the system, but. Kellenberg has that kid, uh, Carroll, that kid Ryan Carroll, the big boy. Yeah, he, he can throw Six too. Six foot seven. Yeah, so there's some. He, he's there's pretty some good. Donkeys in, in the league right now, so I think that's all I got right now. Um, we'll hopefully be able to do this again before the season. Well, you got a baby. It's up to you. <laughs> and we got the preseason uh, coaches discussion, yep. so we'll try to get that done again. I know we got some good feedback. Um, from, from all the coaches, it's the one time that you're able to get everybody in the same room. Everybody seems to, to look forward yeah, to that. Yeah, it seems like stuff. the guys like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that I'm glad you started that. I think that's a really good thing for the for our league mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And uh, when is uh, opening day this year for the Catholic uh, League? Catholic League, third week of March. Awesome. So we got that circled on the calendar. We're, the, we're in, into the new year now, so all eyes on the baseball season. Yep. So thank you guys for tuning in to the, another episode of the Access Baseball Podcast. Thank you. To Coach Barcelano for being our guest, and thank you to the Long Island Fieldhouse for hosting this episode.